Welcome to Tips from Trestle. This podcast is dedicated to discussing the senior living industry with a unique focus on food, hospitality, and leadership. I'm your host, Aaron Fish. As a 25-year veteran of the hospitality industry, I've focused my work on creating exceptional experiences for the customers we serve. My goal for this podcast? Educate, inform, and inspire leaders in senior living to bring food and hospitality to the front of mind in our industry. Let's bring the innovative and passionate spirit of hospitality to everything that we do. For the residents, families, guests, and employees we serve each and every day. So what are we waiting for? Let's get to it. Today on Tips from Trestle, I'm joined by the principals of LE3 Solutions. Uh, Sarah Kyle has spent the last 13 years researching, designing, writing, and implementing resident well-being programs across the continuum of care. From leading and overseeing programming across 108 skilled nursing, assisted living, and memory care communities, to leading the charge for holiday retirement to transform their resident program in 260 communities, Sarah thrives in challenging settings. Sarah is widely known and respected in the industry, and she presents at national conferences, pens articles in notable publications, and serves on various advisory boards. Her partner, Kelly Strandberg, has worked with aging adults for over 20 years, with 13 of those specific to the senior living industry. Over the years, Kelly has supported many CCRCs and ALMC communities. Her most successful roles have been new positions she has created from the ground up, which has enabled her to come in to analyze and identify needs and gaps and then create and implement solutions for the greater good of the residents, which in turn supports the operator's objectives. Kelly is the creator of award-winning Argentum Best of the Best Wellness Programs for 2010, 2011, and 2012. She has been a featured author in Journal on Active Aging and been a selected speaker at National Senior Living and Active Aging Conferences. Ladies, welcome to Tips from Trestle. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Erin, for having us this morning. I'm super excited to talk to you guys about resident engagement and food and beverage and how they go together. Because kind of when we initially talked about doing the podcast, I think we both, all of us realized that it's a huge opportunity for most operators. And so um, since you guys are the experts, I want to get your, your insight and takes on it. So uh, but first, I want to know, how did you guys get started in resident engagement? You guys have amazing backgrounds, so I'm, I'm curious to learn a little bit more about it. Thank, Thank you. You, you know, ahead. it's so funny. We're here at a conference and you continually hear people just fall into senior living. And no one's like, oh, I can't wait to go do this. And I think <laughs> Kelly, <laughs> Kelly and I both have a background in fitness and exercise science, and that was our entry point of yeah, was, we were both hired by pretty sizable organizations to come in and create fitness programming for aging adults. And before you know it, we both found ourselves from fitness programming to all programming to amenities and services that anything that supports how the resident spends their day and can impact their quality of life and overall well-being. And, and we both had similar experiences with that. It was just like, boom, poof. Big. Now you're going to be over all of these types of offerings. <laughs> did, did that come about because 
of your personalities or because I mean I in general I find resident engagement directors or professionals uh they're not introverts in any way shape or form uh, and so um you know obviously the fitness background I can see that but evolving into some of the other things was it a stretch or or kind of how did those that work through how'd you work through all that I I was with my very first senior living operator. I was about four months into my job and my boss, I reported to the chief operating officer. I was visiting one of our communities and she said, can you do me a favor? Can you go into the memory care area? She needed me to check on something. While in there, there was a resident activity going on and the residents were coloring pictures of ducks with crayons. And I remember sitting there and I was like, this seems odd because these are 70, 80, 90 year old adults. And I remember one of the male residents while he's coloring this duck was telling me about how much he missed sailing and his sailboat and the lake that he used to sail on. And when I left there that day, I just, it irked me. I'm like, something's not right. I'm like, this, this is not a dignified activity. I drove straight back to the office and I went into my boss's office and I said, can I talk to you about something? And I told her this and I said, it doesn't feel right to me. I said, how can this man talk to me about sailing in his sailboat? And he is coloring a children's (laughs) picture with crayons. And in that moment, she looked at me and she said, you know what? You're over all levels of programming now. And I went, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, I just came in here to share like an observation. It seemed yeah. weird to me. And she was like, nope, you innately get it. This is what you do now. And I was like, uh, okay. So wow. that's how I started it was rather by accident through an observation that just didn't feel right in my, in my heart, if you will. What, how, so how what did was, you do this? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> So this Sarah. is funny. I would, again, how you fall into this stuff. I was working um, at a place called Senior Rehab Solutions. I was finishing, trying to finish my PhD um, <laughs> and was just kind of working on the side, doing recruiting for a rehab solution. And they were um, a sister company to senior care centers, which was by the time I ended the, the hundred plus skilled nursing communities. And it was the same thing. I had, you know, had a background in exercise science, did rec programming in grad school. And then here I am working on my PhD and I'm trying to figure out what I want to write about for a dissertation and study. And I think, look at this calendar. What, what is the education? There was, and not that it's bad, but a social worker was leading um, the programming and social work and skilled nursing is so intense anyway. And so I just kind of went to the CEO. I watched it for six or seven months, researched it from the side and went in one day and said, hey, um, can I pitch you kind of an approach and idea about how to take whatever this activity is to something so much more? And he said, put together a presentation. And I did. And he said, all right, you're hired. Go figure it out. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> so, so it sounds like ton. You sit there and you're like, I'm going to do all this stuff. I was like, I'm not going to let residents eat cake so much. I quickly learned that was going to be a revolt of yes. bread. I <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. No. So, I mean, I, I can relate, you know, I was in as a dining room manager and then, you know, six months later, handed the keys to a thousand person CCRC dining program and just kind of overwhelmed. Like it sounds like you ladies might have been. So kind of knowing that you, you kind of came into it with no real training or, or education in what resident engagement looks like. How did that kind of evolve and develop your philosophy behind how a well-rounded resident engagement program should look? Well, my, my first step, once, once my boss said, well, you're going to do all programming. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I, immediately, I immediately like ran back to my cubicle and got on Google and started like typing in like activities for older adults and resources and certifications and education. And, you know, I came across the activity director certification, stuff like that. And I was like, eh, but I, I found that there was a conference specific to that. So I attended that. It was pretty quick. It was just like two or three months later. So the company was like, yes, go see what you can learn. And then I also um, discovered the international council on active aging and they were a wonderful resource um, when I was entering into these new job responsibilities and how to look at it differently from a holistic approach and also embraced attending their conference. And so just kind of started picking away at, you know, who are the leaders in the senior living space for advocacy and education, and then really just started making connections at these conferences and picking people's brains. Like, what do, what do you guys do? What do your calendars look like? And just really started through conferences and education and really connecting with peers and letting them teach me as well, who yeah. did have years under their belt and worked with a variety of different operators. And so for me, it was just kind of be a sponge and learn and absorb. But then I still always had this voice back here, like, well, wait, like, these are adults right. and things should be elevated and dignified. And how do we support, you know, that fitness voice in me or exercise science voice in me kept saying, but what keeps them at their highest functioning level? And that's, that's kind of where I came at it from. What did you do? So, you know, it's the exact same thing. You, you start, I think we're researchers by background. It's, we right. love studying learning. It's, and it's why I think we were able to do what we do, but that same thing. If you start learning and you, you just have an insatiable desire to figure it out. But I think what's transpired since then, which is so different is the farther we get into this journey, the more and more these silos of engagement for older, younger, middle-aged seniors goes away and it's just people. And the yeah. biggest thing behind people is knowing what incites someone, you know, what, what makes you tick? What's your purpose? What makes you happy? And when you know that you start to look at this idea of engagement so differently um, and it, it does become elevated. So I think, again, the farther we get into this, the more it's not about age anymore. And it's not about seniors, which I think is pretty inspiring for us because yeah. we're all people. Yeah. It, and it's interesting because, you know, I was talking with, uh, on an, recording for another podcast and we were talking about nutrition philosophy with a, mm. a good dietitian friend of mine 
And we had a conversation and it was very um, obvious that it needed to be kind of a separated approach between um, younger seniors and more of the elder seniors. And so, you know, kind of that, like, I don't know, 80, 82 and up versus 80 and down, just because of, you know, dietary needs and things of that nature. But you're finding and what you've seen is that really that's not the case so much with resident engagement as far as like activities and fitness and things like that. The level of how you go about doing it is different. Maybe the time, the frequency, intensity, as we felt like we're doing an exercise talk here. Um, but it goes <laughs> like Kelly said, you know, the man who was talking about a sailboat, that's mm-hmm. just a man. That has nothing to do with an age. And so right. it's the discovery and getting to know who they are. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does look different at levels of programming and acuity of what people can do, but the end result of what someone does with their time that's meaningful and intentional mm-hmm. is the same. It's quality of life and it's vitality of whatever functional level they're at. And yeah. one other thing I'd add to that, Aaron, is, and, and Sarah and I follow closely, there's quite a few activity director um, Facebook groups out there that uh-huh. just kind of reach out to lean on each other and get ideas from one another. But it's interesting to follow those for our awareness, but some of the questions that come through, like one day an activity director somewhere in the country and who knows, and she was asking, Hey, when do you all schedule your happy hour? And the litany of responses that ran the gamut from 1.30 PM to 4.30 PM. <laughs> and I couldn't help myself. I, I was like, Ooh, I got to chime in on this one. And I wrote, when do you all go home and have happy hour? Like, why is this like, why is this a difficult logistical question? And, you know, first, how about you ask your residents, when when would you like this? Let's start there, right? right? You're there, you're there to provide (laughs) services and programs and support for the residents. So let's start there. And two, just because they're older adults does not mean that all of the amazing things that we are able to offer in these communal settings needs to be at these wonky hours. That makes no sense. Like I'm not saying people can't go out and have a great happy hour at 2 PM, but that's not traditional happy hour. And you got to think about Sarah and I are always relating ideas back to when do you do these things in your own life? Like whether you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, or 90, I don't know. I'm accustomed to happy hour before the dinner hour. So <laughs> let's, <Right. laughs> let's, let's do it then. Like, why, why are we going rogue and thinking it's got to be these wonky, different, weird times? Because, well, there, there are, they're old people. Do in you, our home. <laughs> it, that makes me think, do you think that we, people overthink the whole yes. process a little bit? You know, because I mean, for me, I mean, what you're saying makes sense. You know, uh, you have a cocktail before dinner, maybe you have one after dinner. And if dinner's at six o'clock it seems like happy hours should be at five through like seven or seven thirty and it's to your point it's overthinking but the amount of energy and personal i would say resource that's mm-hmm. spent on trying to figure this out and, and you'll see it. there's there's 170 comments wow and and the biggest complaint that you always hear, and I don't care what you do in senior living, is that you don't get to spend enough time with residents. You always wish you had more time to have that one-on-one. And when you do overthink it, the things that pull us away 
from the initial mission of what we want to do and what makes us feel that our service is great and our job is great is overthinking something or talk over talking about it. Just it's so simple. We say this all the time. Just go ask the people in your community. Quit talking about it in a boardroom. Right. The answers are right there at your fingertips. You could yeah. you could you could just go ask five to ten residents. Hey, when you guys are happy hour, but not even that. And, and you could have it done in two minutes, and then you 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 schedule it, and you know they're going to be happy with it. It's yeah. dining. It's transportation. It's when should we have events? What right. type of events do you want to have? What type of party you want to have? You know, I just. If you would just ask, they will tell you, mm-hmm. but yeah. we don't take enough time to ask and listen because we're yeah. all too busy. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that um, the different levels of care that people operate in, do you think that that confuses people on making things easier and more simplified to approach? I mean, thinking about someone who's in independent living versus somebody who's in assisted living or memory care or skilled nursing, obviously there's maybe some cognitive and physical differences, but in general, I mean, kind of taking that approach of people are people, do you think it just gets overthought because of that sometimes? I think it, you guess, but it's more stereotypes of what you think you're supposed to do in this level of setting, because that's right. what's done traditionally, or that's what you hear about. Um, Kelly and I, we're really starting to focus on these really simple things that go outside every day. Just go at whatever that looks like. Go outside. Yeah. Fresh air. Go outside. Look at nature. Listen to the tree. I'm, I'm looking at some palm trees. Like, listen to the tree. <laughs> Talk about what that feels like. Talk about memories that that creates or brings back. And it's go walk. Just move. There should be movement every day. I don't care if you're moving in the hallway, you're moving in your room, outside, in an activity space. Just And then there's uh, gratitude. You know, we can uh, focus on all these really simple things at any level of care in any functional setting, and they're free. Yeah, there's no cost. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what, it's not coloring, it's not hitting noodles with the, I mean, hitting balls with a noodle and not that that's bad, but how many people did this in their former life? I don't right. know. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I've right. never played uh, noodle badminton myself. Well, yeah. I take that back, I have, but <laughs> not in my personal <laughs> life. And right. You know what I mean? I just, I always look at like, what do people do before they moved in with this? I feel confident that, you yeah. know, it, if you know, going to a local YMCA, they for exercise or swimming, that was pretty active. And it wasn't this passive seated, you know, eight exercises and we're done. Well, there, yeah. there are adaptive equipment and that's right. where you have to start. You know, I think of right. volleyball and yes, the ball stays up higher and people with memory support, it gives them a better chance to do it. But what the industry also needs to see, and I think product needs to support is how do you make adaptive equipment that still looks the part mm-hmm. right it still looks like what it's intended to do mm-hmm. yeah. no i i can relate back to that i think about um i have conversations with with different people about um beverage service in senior living all the time you know and everybody talks about oh yeah well you know there's a bar in our independent living but then i start talking to them about assisted living and they're like oh you can't do that in assisted living and i'm always kind of like well why what what's keeping them from having a cocktail with dinner 
you know, and it's, there's always kind of, like you said, there's always this like preconceived notion of they can't have it because of their medication or they can't because of their physical condition. And it's kind of like, well, they don't need to go and have six drinks, right? Like they can have one. They probably only want one because that's what they had before. So I can definitely relate on the food side on some of those kind of stereotypes that you're, you're referring to. Well, and you know, Hey, we know this. If people want to drink, they will find a way to drink. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. if 18 year olds want to drink, they will find a way to drink. <laughs> it doesn't change at 90. I promise you. Oh no. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> so, um, so I want to talk a little bit, um, about how our worlds intersect, right? Resident engagement, food and beverage, you know, uh, for me, it seems like, you know, meals are meals are engagement, right? There's three times a day where you're going to interact with residents. There's an opportunity there to, to engage, not just with nutrition, but, you know, physically, socially, all those different aspects. So um, I want to start big and kind of work our way down. So um, thinking about that, the siloed approach that we tend to always see, what have you found has been successful in breaking down that siloed approach that we see in communities between departments? I think, I think there needs to be a willingness for department heads and, and community leadership to foster collaboration. And, and like, I think back to my own experience when working in a community, I I took the initiative to be like, hey, dining, we need to be best friends. And they were a little shell-shocked at first. I don't know why, but they were. <laughs> I'm, like, well, I'm like, I need to, I need to know you guys and I need your creative ideas and I need your insights because I should not be planning any type of special event for the residents that requires food and bed support without communicating with you and brainstorming through it. Because what if I make an entire plan and then I give you guys the, you know, the, the banquet request and you're like, we can't do any of this. Then I've wasted my time, my team's time. Maybe I've already communicated it and the residents are excited. And then it's like, Ooh, this is not the experience that I intended to deliver. And so for me, it was just about starting to connect on a regular cadence, you know, once a week or every other week that here's what we have coming up that is already agreed upon and in double checking, you know, making sure we have all our ducks in a row, but then also brainstorming ahead, like, Hey, 4th of July barbecue, here's what we're thinking from our lens. What do you all think? What ideas do you have to contribute? Right. How can we make it better? Can we get, you know, X, Y, Z products? Or is there anything that you all are having trouble getting, you know, via supply chain issues or whatever, and making sure those conversations are being had so that whatever you do implement and put on for the residents, that it's the best it can be from both departments. And without that collaboration it, it gets broken and it can get messy. And Erin, you know, yeah. I'm sure you and your, your dining <laughs> team have been like, uh, these programming departments are making us crazy. I get it. And yeah. vice versa. we've been like, oh, why didn't dining do this part or that part? And it, but it comes back to just the basics, like sit down, talk, have a meeting and brainstorm. Like yeah. just, we're so afraid to take time out of 
our busy days to make space and room to brainstorm when really it's the most powerful piece to make sure these two departments come together to, because who delivers experience in the community every single day, dining and programming. Yeah. Yeah. No, I never understood the pushback I would get when I would introduce the idea of a regular monthly meeting with uh, the resident engagement team, with marketing, because you wanted to collaborate across all of the departments on events because, you know, it creates that communication, but the collaboration is there. And then piggybacking. I mean, if, if you've got a resident engagement director that is just killing it with great things and activities and engagement, why wouldn't you want to invite a prospect to, to those events, right? Um, you know, or a chef that is just making amazing food, why not have them be a part of all that? So I never understood the pushback. And I think your comment about taking time out of their day, it never, it always came, felt like it came back to, well, we're just so busy, we can't make that work. And it was kind of the, the prior planning thing, if you will. You know, and kind of trying to figure out and understand that there has to be this idea of a partnership and a mutual respect. And what I find found what would work is right now when departments try to have conversations, one, they use email. If you're in the same building, don't email. Right. It's, not, it's not going to work. But instead of, to me, it's extending the olive branch. If I'm a marketing person Hey, activity person, I have a tour coming at two o'clock. I need you to plan something. No. How about, hey, I have a tour coming in. Can you tell me a good time that you're going to have something going on that I can expect it? Exact same with dining. Instead of going to the dining chef, who is a creative person by nature, from what I hear, and saying, I'm having a St. Patrick's Day party. Can you please make corned beef and whatever? Hey, we want to have a St. Patrick's Day celebration. What is something you love to cook that you can enjoy and support us with, right? It has to be, and we hear about this all the time, activity or activity people want CNA to lead activities. Hey, can you lead this activity for me? No, it's not you doing my job. It's, can you please help me engage this resident? We're having difficulty extend, you know, making sure that they're happy. Do you find when you're working in communities, especially now with LE3, that you you see kind of that disparity or, I don't know, hierarchy, if you will? There's not a really good way to describe it other than, you know, some people feel like this department's here and then it's here and then it's here. Absolutely. Yes. There's absolutely resentment. There's hierarchy. There's, I think, distrust. mm -hmm. And that's where those silos are perpetuated because someone always feels that their job is more important, but in the end, it's everyone's job to create this environment and experience. And it's, you're completely interdependent upon each other. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. Yeah. No. So when we, I got, you know, at the end of the day, some of that dynamic falls on the executive director to try and figure out. So when you're working with executive directors, what, what have you done that has kind of getting them, gotten them to see that disconnect between departments and help them kind of start to make a change in that culture in their communities? Do you have a meeting? Is the first place. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your, what's your process for having, for communicating? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and then and and if they say no then we ask why and and here from our lens here's the benefits kind of what we just went through and mm. and it it's a i'm sitting here and i'm like man this stuff is so simple right. when you really think about it and and we love to overcomplicate things in our space and i'm like we just talk to each other. Yeah. I mean, it's relationship, relationship building. It's talking, like Sarah said, if you're in the same building and you have a question, well, I understand emails quick and yeah. comes across as efficient. But what if that person isn't around to answer that question immediately? Like, why not just pick up the phone yeah. or by their office and develop that rapport? I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, I probably, people don't like when I say this because it freaks them out, but I mean, I, I work like 60, 65 hours a week when I was in a community, just because that's what it took sometimes. Right. And I probably was only in my office, maybe one to two hours a day, if that, because it, to me, it was more important to be out in the community. Yeah. And so I even, I would even encourage community leadership how are you walking yeah. about your community? How are you engaging with residents? How are you engaging with staff? Because what they model will influence, you know, department directors. Um, we had the most fascinating conversation yeah. yesterday with somebody talking about she oversees a handful of communities and that if one of the executive directors emails her before 9 a.m. in the morning, she knows that they're not in the dining room helping serve breakfast. And she wants every single one of her executive directors helping pour coffee, connecting with the residents because it gives them a feel for what's going on in the community. And I would say the same thing, department to department. And I'm so glad you brought up marketing too, because they need to be in the loop, just like Sarah's example about tours uh, reiterated. It's it's just modeling. What do you expect so that your community as a whole is delivering on what you promised you would deliver when people chose to move into your community? And to your point, that's the other thing we're doing right now and what we see is missing. So yes, you can have a meeting and you can sit and you can talk, but if you don't have your objectives of what that meeting is, Mm -hmm. then again, you're just talking. Um, And so what we're trying to impart to organizations is what is your standard? What can an executive director, because they don't need to be skilled in everyone's, they need to oversee it, right? Mm -hmm. You have subject matter experts to do that role, but as an ED, they need to understand what is the the organization's expectation of that department executive or that department leader. Mm -hmm. So if I, what should programming look like in a day? What hours of the day should it happen? how often should we do events? How much money should they be spending? What should be internal? What should be external? And what we find is there's this, I mean, it's the same thing from inventory, right? Like when you do inventory, when you do dining, this is your budget. If you step over your budget or if you buy off form, you know, non-formulary and you blow the budget, then there's accountability to that. Absolutely. What we're finding here is there's not that same level of accountability. We talk about this a lot that this idea of programming has to become um, known as a, as a same business case as something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, so I guess what I'm hearing is, you know, we, we started this kind of talking about the philosophy of 
what resident engagement is, but it sounds like maybe if I, I mean, I may be extrapolating here, so correct me if I'm wrong. It, the philosophy maybe that you have around resident engagement is that it's not necessarily the resident engagement director's responsibility, but that it's a whole community-wide approach. Yes. And if you don't have that approach, then it doesn't really matter how great your resident engagement director is. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how great your executive chef is. Like they're all going to eventually fail because they don't have the right approach. Well, it, it, it comes back to something Sarah and I are talking about practically on a daily basis. It's culture. Yeah. It's what, what, is, what is the culture you want to have and impart? And, and what does that look like in day-to-day -day actions? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, we're about out of time. So I wanted to find out, were there any other things that we didn't cover that we, we should share with the listeners today? Ooh, um, I will say one thing. Um, I always believe food and beverage can help to elevate an event. Mm -hmm. But again, you cannot make those decisions in, in a silo and it needs to be part of that conversation. And, and, you know, over the years, you know, both Sarah and I have crafted, you know, kind of just real simple templates to help dining and programming have that structure for meetings. Yeah so that they do complete objectives. And it's not to Sarah's point that it's just all talk, that there's something that comes out of it. Like, what do we have on the docket this week? What are y'all brainstorming next month? How do we support one another and have those tangible then action items. And so from a programming side, once you confirm together, you know, what events are going to look like, okay, now I have to go and put those you know, event orders or banquet request orders in, and then dining needs to go and follow up and say, okay, we've got everything yeah. we need. We're good. And so it's, it's not just planning and brainstorming. It's okay. Now what are each of our tangible action items to go and perform and then come back. And when you come back, that's that accountability piece as well. I think the, the one place to start that you can do on your own without an executive director telling you to do this without setting up a meeting is taking a step back and realizing that everyone's, everyone, I don't care who you are, somehow thinks your job is difficult. We love what we do, but there's difficult things about the job. Yeah. Instead of going to a dining person or going to a marketing person, same an activities person, vice versa, and just starting to blah, 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 I need you to do this, this, this. Two simple ways to connect. One, just get to know them. Ask personal questions. Don't talk about work. Ask about family or interest. Start with a relationship instead of a, a, I think a barking order. And the other thing, instead of telling them what you need them to do, ask them what is hard about their job. What is the most difficult thing you do? Kelly and I have been talking about this with organizations. What are the pain points? Mm -hmm. Before we can understand how to move forward, I have to know what is the hardest part about your day? If the hardest part about your day is answering emails or putting together events because you don't have staff to do it, I know right away that this is going to be something that's going to be difficult if I ask you to come do an omelet station at breakfast when you don't have staff. So go ask what's difficult and meet someone where they're at. And in return, tell them what's difficult for you. If we could just get to that mentality in the community of supporting one another around the deficits and realizing we, we all have 
things we're, we're struggling with and everybody's job is hard and yours isn't harder than mine. It just looks different. So uh, that's a, I think that's a great way to, to end our conversation. So um, tell the listeners how they can connect with you, how they can learn more about LE3. Um, just kind of give us your, your, your details, if you will. Absolutely. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, you can always check out our website, www.le3, the number three, solutions.com. And then please visit us on our LinkedIn pages, Sarah Kyle, Kelly Strandberg, and LE3 Solutions. We like to push out all sorts of content. We've got two-minute strategy tips. We post a couple times a month on our LE3 page and we love to connect with people and just get to know one another. It's it's not it's not about growing our business. It's truly about connecting with others so that we can all collectively continue to move forward and raise the bar across aging services everywhere. Awesome. Well, ladies, thanks so much for joining me on Tips for Trestle and uh, best of luck. No, thank you so much. Yes, thank you, Aaron. We appreciate you. Thank you. So there you have it. Another one in the books. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. You can follow or direct message me on LinkedIn, where I'm always commenting and posting about food, hospitality, and leadership for the senior living industry. Or give me a follow on Twitter at AHFish or Instagram at Aaron H. Fish. And check out my company, Trestle Hospitality Concepts, at www.trestlehospitalityconcepts.com. I'm your host, Aaron Fish. And this has been another episode of Tips from Trestle.